uh, what you've done and how much you love us. And we pray, God, this morning that uh, we will be those people who love you with all our heart, with all our soul, all our strength, and uh, worship you in this reality. And God, I pray that that will pour out of our hearts individually to one another and that there will be a a powerful working of discipleship among us as we network and involve each other in our lives. Not for us, Lord, but for Your honor and glory, we pray. Open Your Word to us. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. The concept is discipleship. We're taking a, a look at how truth from Scripture impacts our lives. And this week we're talking about man and sin. Now this comes primarily from the book of Genesis, the first two chapters. And if you have been with, uh, with us at Great Adventure for a few years, you remember that it wasn't that long ago that we went through Genesis 1-11 through 11 and, and t- touched on all the important doctrines that flow out of that portion of, of uh, the Word of God. And uh, so rather than reworking all that doctrinal information, we're just going to just kind of tap some things, just a little touch. And our, our goal is to encourage you to, to go back and do a little more deep study on these various issues. But then, and here's the key, folks, then to allow God's Spirit to take His Word and plug it into our lives so that we actually see the doctrine making a difference in how we live. And that's where we think the discipleship really should be. We're disciples of the Lord Jesus. These are the things that are important to His heart. These are the truths that He has left us. And the desire that He has for that truth is to set us free. And we can be far better people by making application of these truths to our lives. So this isn't just a Sunday morning exercise, okay? We want this to be something that all afternoon, in spite of, uh, of how badly the Patriots are getting beat next week or whatever is happening, we want to we make sure that there's a difference, that we're applying these things to our lives. Wednesday nights we gather here, we encourage those of you um, who come regularly to continue. We ask a few of you who haven't come so often, join us. And KT was talking about the, uh, the small groups. There's a desire to develop this intimacy and this networking so we can say to one another, I need help here. And we can say to one another, this is something I found that really enriches me or really helps me. We need this. And so throughout the week, we want these truths to have an impact so that when we get together next Sunday... There'll be more from our lives that can be poured back to to the Lord and more glory given to His name, which should encourage our hearts and strengthen us to make more application. Who knows where this kind of an encouragement and help could take us. God does, and He's, He's willing to work with us on these things. We're kind of the limiting influence. We're kind of the ones that set the set the standard or the depth to which we're willing to go here. And so our prayer is that each one of us would be really asking God and really trusting God to to move to a new level 
as far as spiritual growth, spiritual development. Be sure before you leave to pick up a copy of the questions that we're going to be discussing. Now, at the end, end of our time together this morning, we'll have a little discussion, uh, just kind of a starting point, a little kickoff for what we want to do Wednesday night. So there'll be a, a, seat of, uh, a, seat, a sheet of questions that we'd appreciate if you'd spend some time going over. They, they are things that hopefully have been touched on in our messages here on Sunday morning. Uh, if you need a review, my understanding is that those things, uh, those messages are online and you can tap into that. I have no idea how to do it, but somebody does and you could uh, make that available to yourself. But the big thing is we want you to be reflecting, meditating on the truths that God has put before us with the desire to build one another up and to encourage one another in these things. So you come Wednesday night prepared to make a contribution to my life, if you would. And it will be a tremendous help, I'm sure, to everybody. Genesis chapters 1 and 2 teach us a very important truth. They teach us that God created. And a lot of people would say, duh. But the vast majority of Americans at this point in time have a real challenge to this viewpoint. And it has impacted us in a very, very devastating way as far as I'm concerned. It has had a profound impact on our moral standards, people who deny this truth. It has had an impact on how we handle the technology that God has allowed. To the point where we are, are, are poised... I sound like uh, General MacArthur here. We're poised at the place where, with very little provocation, the entire world could go up in smoke. Every human being wiped off the face. That's a potential. Now, you know it's not going to happen because that's not the way God has it planned in His Word. But that potential is there. Years ago, if there were... Uh, some, some issues that cause envy and strife between two people, and uh, if those things escalated to the point where others were involved and so on, uh, you know, it was a bad thing, but it wasn't a huge deal. There goes my cough drop, sorry. <coughs> Ten second rule. It wasn't a big thing. Because the worst you could do was cut off a few heads and, and then we were done. Now, and MacArthur recognized this at the end of World War II, now we have the potential where if a few, few people get ticked at another group of people, they, can, they could start something that, that melts the whole, the whole earth. See what I'm talking about? It's, it's kind of scary stuff. It's a little bit out of control. And if we don't have a moral foundation that flows from this concept... We're going to have that twist that allows the devastation that we're talking about. So, this is an important concept. God created. And hopefully we'll allude to that. We've talked about that in the past. I want you to think about that, what difference that makes on you and your decisions uh, today. Mankind was created in the image of God. And again, (coughs) we we differ here 
from a, a vast number of folk. So much so that whole schools of thought have infiltrated the educational system to the point where this is unacceptable and other false teachings have become the standard, have become the norm. Something's wrong. Something's twisted. To what extent that twisted information, that twisted philosophy impacts my life, I really don't know. But I'd ask you this week to be thinking about that. How much does this concept that mankind was created in the image of God impact me and, and change the way I think? <coughs> One of the things that comes from that is that mankind is different than all the rest of God's creation. Excuse me. This is my cherry juice from Dan and Barb. This is the source of life. We said after I hit 60, I needed that to keep my joints going. So, But it also keeps me from coughing a little bit. Mankind is different than all the rest of creation. And we would say from that, that that this concept comes out that mankind has dignity. The rest of the world <coughs> doesn't view things this way. The rest of the world doesn't hold this position. In fact, <coughs> mankind is reduced to kind of a an insignificant accident. And it changes how we interact with one another. Dignity. Where did that concept come from? We would suggest that there was dignity in the fact that man was God's <coughs> last, <coughs> I'm sorry, was God's last and best creation. Man was made in the image of God. Man was given authority over the earth. Man was created and assigned superiority over every animal <coughs> and every plant. Those things were there for us, not us for them. Betty and I were listening to, uh, to uh, CNN, which, as some of you know, uh, we've become addicted to the cable news uh, networks, and we have three channels only that we that we watch. We click back and forth between uh, headline news and CNN and Fox and, and uh, spend an hour or two snuggling together in bed while we watch that. This is what you young couples have to look forward to. <laughs> After 40 years of marriage, life reaches the pinnacle. And you watch... Uh, no, no, I'm sorry. Okay, anyway. Uh, one, one of the things... One of the things that uh, that they that we saw on this on this uh, network news broadcast was that they are now promoting pet church. See, we we used to have seeker friendly churches and so on. Now we have pet friendly churches, and we have stepped forward according to this uh, this group of people, so that now there's a place where you can actually bring your pet to worship. And your pet is not only welcome there, but made extremely comfortable. 
And doesn't that warm your heart? I can just see Neil over there saying, oh, my cat, finally. Huh? Don't bring any cats. But other than that, uh, pet church. Pet church. What, what are they thinking of? Well, what, what they're thinking of is that animals really have a superior position to humans. Uh, this is kind of tragic. I'm not trying to make a joke out of this. But do you remember a few years ago that a poor young couple found themselves pregnant? I think they're high school kids. And my heart goes out to them. I have sympathy for them. I'm not downing them, but because I understand the pain and so on that, that they were dealing with. But what bothers me is they took the child born in a, in a motel room. They took that child wrapped it in a plastic bag and slammed its body on the ground several times until it died. And then they put that child in a dumpster and left. Remember that story? Mm -hmm. They were convicted for it. Do you know what sentence they received? Two years. Two years in jail. There was a man who drowned a litter of kittens. And this is true. This, this is, well, I don't true. This is, this is CNN. It's got to be true. Okay. <coughs> a man who drowned a litter of kittens. Can you imagine such a thing? How many of you grew up on a farm? Anybody? What's the value of a litter of kittens, Barb? <laughs> and, and she doesn't have to be a cat hater, but I'll tell you what. If you have a farm and you have one cat, pretty soon you have about 47 of them. It's just, it's just the way it is. And uh, this guy said, I can't, can't feed another litter of kittens, and so he, he drowned them. And some people are going, oh, oh, oh. Do you know what his sentence was? Ten years. What? Kill a baby, two years. Kill a kitten, ten years. Go figure. Why? Because we've got this backwards. Because we don't have an understanding of that foundational truth <coughs> that mankind has special dignity assigned by the Creator, assigned by God. And when you don't have that kind of an understanding, it's no problem to abort babies. It's no problem to euthanize old people. Don't worry about it if someone's quality of life is not what we say it should be. The best thing we can do for that person is to put them out of their misery. And so the retarded and the handicapped and the elderly and the list goes on and on and on. We take care of them. We really take care of them. Didn't the Lord Jesus tell us that we were to care for the least of these, his children? 
What does it mean, the least of these his children? Aren't, aren't those very people that I listed, those who God wants specially cared for? <coughs> because they have dignity too, because they are made in the image of God. I already mentioned how technology has pushed us past even what our ethics are, are willing to handle or are even able to handle. The ethical and moral standards that are needed to control where we are technologically simply are not there. And it flows back to this concept that we have rejected. As a society, we have rejected this concept. That God created, God created man in his own image, that he created man with special dignity. Serious stuff. Man has duty assigned by God. <laughs> the job you have, whatever it is, the job you have has special value because God has assigned it so. Now I understand, and we're going to get to chapter 3 in a minute here, that there has been a, a twisting and a tainting of all of this. But when it was first created, the dignity and the duty of man was a highly honored, highly respected position. Look at Genesis 2.5. God looked at his creation and it says there was no man to cultivate the ground. Before or after the fall? Before the fall. God wanted the ground cultivated and he needed a man to do it. <coughs> what does that suggest? That even before sin came along, God had work for us. I believe that during the millennial time when Christ is back and, and is ruling the earth with justice and, and dignity and all of these things are fixed, I believe that we're going to love getting up and going to work. Work is going to have that, that new, or renewed, I should say, uh, position of, of, of a place of honor in our lives. Uh, Genesis 2.15, Then the Lord God took the man, put him into the Garden of Eden to cultivate it <coughs> and to keep it. <coughs> Both pre-fall events. Man has duty in that God said, Be fruitful and multiply. And at this church, we do that extremely well. We praise God for that. I think... Um, you two guys in the front, I think you have the, uh, the record as our best keepers of the Word of God. <laughs> Very fruitful. That's wonderful. Keep it, oh no, there's Anita sitting there right beside it. Keep it up. Good stuff. And this is part of the, the duty that God assigned mankind. And we live in a culture that uh, looks at this blessing as a curse. They say, well, you know what? If we don't do something about this, this place is going to be overpopulated. And if it's overpopulated, there won't be enough for us to eat. Quality of life will be diminished and so on. So <coughs> don't listen to God. Listen to us. And we'll put the standard in place. And so those who take seriously this direction from God, be fruitful and multiply, are often the subject of ridicule and abuse rather than honor as God would have had it. We have other duty. 
God said, have dominion. Genesis 1.28, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Have dominion over the... Oh, did I do that twice? Sorry, I got two copies in there. We'll stop right there. Everything that moves upon the earth. We have a duty, a responsibility to care for our earth. I'm not going to go into global warming this morning, you know, but we, we have to be people who care for what God has given us. <coughs> we need to be God-honoring <coughs> in our protection and care of the environment, of the creatures that are in the environment, and so on. All part of our responsibility. We have duty. We've been assigned the distinct privilege of being those who glorify God. Just think about that for a minute. Here is the ultimate being, the ultimate person of the entire universe, and somehow you add to him... No, that's not true. That's not biblically sound. Somehow you make... I'll just stop. Somehow you glorify the one in whom resides all glory. And he delights in that. And that's your duty. <coughs> John Piper says, the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. What did Piper mix up there? Yeah, it's supposed to be and, right? No, Piper says, uh-uh. The way we bring glory to God is to thoroughly enjoy Him. The psalmist said it this way, Delight yourself in the Lord. Make God your delight. Be thrilled with God. That's your responsibility. And then what? And He will satisfy your soul. He'll bring those desires of your heart. Now obviously, the desires get fixed as we delight in the Lord. The desires change into something that's honorable and wonderful rather than selfish and, and uh, uh, well, whatever, rather than selfish. But this is part of our responsibility. You see, mankind has incredible value. And all of this comes to us because God created us in His image. Is it important? Yes, it is. Does it impact my life? Yes, it does. And I'd like you this week to think about Ways in which that impact can be lived out in your life. <coughs> well, you know what happened. Along came Satan, deceives and tempts. And what it boiled down to is that God said no, and the rebellion in the hearts of Adam and Eve said yes. Folks, pure and simple. That's sin. Sin came. Sin happened. And sin has had a profound impact. What is sin? Um, we'll have to get Matthew to give us all the, the linguistic ins and outs here, but in simple terms, sin is falling short of the standard. It's missing the mark. It's like going to to great America and wanting to ride the roller coaster and Bugs Bunny is holding that thing that's this tall and you only come up to here so you can't ride the roller coaster. You fall short of the standard. 
Well, that's, I don't think, what God had in mind when he put this forward. But anyway, it's, it's an, my friend uh, uh, Leonard Linstead, cool old guy, used to tell this fabulous story, and I can't tell it like he did, but I'll try just a little bit. He, uh, to illustrate this important concept, <coughs> suggests that uh, Merlin and Patty uh, invite me to go to Des Moines with them for a weekend. And they take us to the Sheraton Sheraton Hotel, that's out on University Avenue, that's the one, with the glass elevator, ten stories high. And so Yeah, okay, that's the one. And Merlin's going to pay for my room. What a fantastic opportunity this is. And Merlin goes all out and he gets my room on the tenth floor. Okay? Up there with the big wigs of Des Moines. Unfortunately, while we're uh, visiting, we hear some sirens. And we smell some smoke. And Patty says, you know what? I think the hotel's on fire. And Merlin looks out the window and he says, it really is. Look at those flames. And he's getting all excited because he loves fire trucks and stuff. And I'm getting a little nervous because I don't like my marshmallows roasted. All right? And so Merlin suggests that maybe we need to get out of there. But the doors are blocked, the stairwells are blocked, the elevators aren't working. What are we going to do? Any options? Any ideas? What should we do, Scott? What should we do? I heard you say, we're going to jump! And so there's a swimming pool down the bottom of the atrium. And Merlin figures that if we all take a big enough leap, we can get out over the, the deck down below and into the pool. And so uh, Merlin says, Lev, you go first. <laughs> I, uh, no, no. Merlin, you invited me here. You're my host. You go first. So Merlin backs up. He charges across the the hallway, he hits the railing, he leaps out in this fantastic floating, soaring dive. And as he goes down eight or ten floors, I'm watching, whoa, I didn't know you had that in you. Looking good, buddy! And he misses the pool by 15 feet. And so all that's left of my friend Merlin is this blue on the floor. Well, what else can I do? I've got to follow him. So I back up and I dive and I push off. And I don't look anywhere good as, as he does, but I, I'm heading. And, and the closer I get, I say, you know what? We got her. We're, we're in the side splat! And I hit the edge of the deck that far from the pool. Who's more dead? (laughs) See, we both fell short, didn't we? We both missed the mark. And God says, every human being misses the mark, the standard, the bullseye. And it's called sin. All of sin. And fall short of the glory of God. Yeah, you may hit closer to the edge. 
but you still fall short. And what's happened is that man's sin has resulted in creation being, being just in total upheaval. Romans teaches that creation groans. <coughs> the curse that came as a part of that rebellion was that now instead of work being something that's wonderful and, and pleasing and exciting to do, now you have to sweat in order to do the job God has given us. I don't know anything about uh, about childbirth except what I observe. And what I observe is that that's a lot of work. I keep asking Emily, is she ready for her, her second child yet? What does she say, Mark? Yeah, give me a week, you know? You moms, you've been there. You know what we're talking about. I don't. It's tough. Elizabeth, you ready? I'm trying to scare you, girl. No, by God's grace, you're sustained, but it's not an easy thing anymore. And, and this, this is all part of that horrible curse that came as a result of man's sin, and, and sin had a profound impact. And then we read in Scripture this fantastic concept. But God, but God who is rich in mercy, righteously, lawfully, provided a way through the sacrifice of His own Son. And we are the recipients of that incredible blessing. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Does that mean we'll never sin again? No. But it does mean as a, a person who possesses eternal life that I'm forgiven because Christ's blood paid for all my sin. And so God is legitimately just in forgiving my sin since Christ was punished for me. Since Christ paid that horrible price for me. And I believe it. And it's on the basis of my believing it that Christ has brought salvation to me. It also means <coughs> that I have a, a newfound capacity that was missing before I trusted Christ. And that is the capacity to choose to live righteously. And this is what we're imploring all of us to be thinking about. To be more Christ-like. See, we, we need to let these things impact us so that we think differently. When, when God says no, there's some things that I need to consider. We're to understand that is those denials, uh, doing without, prohibitions, come from the hand of a good and loving God. Those ten commandments that God gave to Moses and the children of Israel, that He's passed on to us, those weren't to make life miserable. 
They were a blessing from God to make life fantastic. And we need to adjust our thinking because so often we view the restrictions, the prohibitions, the denials that come from God as something bad. And we need to understand that this good and loving God is the giver of good things. No good thing does He withhold from those who walk uprightly. We must realize that denials are the test of our faith and our obedience. And so when God says, this is the standard, you can't in your own strength meet it, but I've given you my Holy Spirit within you, my Son has shed His blood for you, I've brought you into my family, you have everything you need to make the choice to live righteously. And when it's tough, we need to say, I'll depend on you, God. That's the mindset. When God says no, remember that we are kept from those things which we think we want. We must be careful not to meditate upon what is denied, but upon what is graciously given and by whom. It's a quote from a fellow named Bob Deffenbach. When we are kept from those things which we think we want, we must be careful not to meditate upon what is denied, but upon what is graciously given and by whom. Philippians 4 says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests remain due to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence in anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these things. He goes on to say, the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace shall be with you. Let me end with this quote again from Bob Deffenbaugh. Almost daily, we find ourselves repeating the sins of Adam and Eve. We ponder what we are forbidden to have. We begin to distrust the goodness of God and His graciousness to us. We worry about things that are really inconsequential. And often, in unbelief, we take matters into our own hands. Kind of a powerful statement. And the question I have for you is, in our discipleship, how can we help each other to avoid the trap that we've just had? I have about 30 seconds for a discussion here. But I would like it if you would interact with us a little bit. Let me put the quote back up and then answer the question, how can we help each other avoid that trap? <coughs> I see at least four things that are part of the trap. What can we do? to be of service and minister to one another in these things. Please help me. What's that? And how does that happen, Tim? What do we do when we're holding each other accountable? Flesh it out for me. You know who does that for me? A guy named Tim Leonard. He'll call me and say, Lev, how you doing? I know what he means. 
He doesn't mean is everything rosy. He means are you behaving? Are you choosing righteousness? I appreciate that. Thank you, Tim. What else? Go ahead, Jack. Jace. What's that? Absolutely. Pray for each other. So important. We doing that? You know how long it takes to go through our prayer list? It takes me about a week. It's crazy. There's a ton of needs in this body of believers, isn't there? We've got it made. We're, we're in great shape. But we have incredible need. And then we have to get outside ourselves and realize that there's other local fellowships and so on that need our prayer. Thank you, Jason. What else? Remind each other how God is working in our lives. Good, Greg. What's that? Worship. Isn't that amazing? I come and I hear your voice and it does something inside of me that makes me think about God and causes me to say, oh, that's, that's wonderful. Thank you, God. You stimulate that in me. Do you have a comment? Who we are. Excellent. We're not just some blob, some accident who's here just by no purpose or design. There's a reason why we're here. And that reason is to glorify God and to work and to be fruitful and multiply and so on. Good, thank you. What else? Huh. Nobody's going to want to hang around Amy because that's the kind of relationship she wants. Truth is, that's the kind of relationship you want, too. God made us with that kind of a hunger. But we put these masks on, don't we? Our pretty Christian face. And I don't want anybody to see inside me knowing how desperate I am for help. And that Amy wants a relationship that's open, that's transparent. Praise the Lord. Others. How's that happen, Sam? Having a friend that will do that in regular conversation with you, that's a rare and wonderful treasure. We need to be that kind of friends for each other so that God is at the, the focal point of our, of our discussions and our information with one another. A couple more, then we've got to quit. Yes? Challenge to memorize scripture so that those things are going through her mind when she finds herself worrying. Like that Philippians 4 passage. Memorizing verse 8 that says, here's what I want you to think about. Not the, not the negative, but the positive things that God has brought into your life. One more. Mm. 
Wow. Wow. And letting our minds expand to that exalted level. Excellent, Micah. Thank you. I know there's more. We're going to co- continue this on Wednesday night. Um, did the sign-up sheet get around? Did everybody get a chance? <coughs> okay, you guys, you're not dismissed for another ten minutes while the sheet comes. <laughs> We're going to close in prayer and encourage you on your way out. KT, you've got um, questions. Please grab a, a question sheet and uh, think about those things so that this doesn't just die, but rather grows in our lives. Yes? Let's pray. Father, um, talk is so cheap. You want reality in our lives. I pray that that your Holy Spirit will empower us with that wonderful power that we were reflecting on earlier to uh, to actually implement these things in our lives, to make them real. God, help us as we interact with one another to push one another in this direction. Do it so that we can bring glory to you and find our enjoyment, our thrill uh, in who you are and what you've done for us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, folks. We're dismissed.